0: Well if I could uh, welcome to Stuart, my name's Chris and uh, I'm the pastor here at Hill Church and uh, this morning we're going to be restarting a series that we started a while ago, uh, looking at Mark's Gospel. Uh, So we're going to dig in uh, here at chapter 4. But to start with, did you know that the latest weapon in the fight against crime is being speedily developed? It's not the long-awaited invisible police car, it's not exploding chewing gum, uh, this is what James Bond might have told you. It's not even x-ray spectacles uh, that are being developed at the moment. didn't take any of my ideas, at least police force. But it's actually um, earprint technology. That is the latest thing that's been used in the fight against crime. Earprint technology. Now this is not a joke. Earprints have been used as evidence now for over 200 legal cases It started back in 1965 when an earprint was found on a safe. And in Spain, they're building an earprint database so that they can work out if it's your earprint that's on the safe. The European Commission is trying to develop a standardised system to allow this field of forensic science to develop. Now, of course, with earprints, it's a very specific set of circumstances you need to need an earprint, isn't it? Let's face it, it's not all that common. Your criminal actually needs to put their ear on something. But if they have, ear prints, believe it or not, are like fingerprints. Everyone is unique. No two sets of ears are exactly the same. Now I see some of you sort of looking at the person next to you. Don't look at the person, look at the person in front of you. They'll be able to see from their ears. But you know what? Actually, this observation goes back much further than 1965. Jesus here in our passage notes that everyone's ears Are a little bit different. People hear things in different ways. There's something in our hearts, in our brains, if you like, that hears things differently. It's a bit like Spock on Star Trek, they've got another ear. You don't know that one? Some of you do. He has a left ear, a right ear, and then a final front ear. You're groaning now, but you'll be telling it later, won't you? But our extra ear, if you like, isn't a final frontier, it's an ear in our heart. It's the ears that we have inside us. And just like the ears on our heads, everyone has different ones, as we'll see. So Jesus doesn't want us to look around us and examine the ears of other people so much. He wants us to examine our own hearts, our own ears on the inside this morning. And his hearing tests for our ears are parables. The passage before us this morning is the first in a series of parables that Jesus told, which we're looking at over the next few weeks. But here he's actually telling them why he's talking about parables. So our first point this morning—oh, more ears! There we go. Uh, our first point this morning: purpose. Let me read to you again, verses 10 and 11. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And Jesus said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now in preaching, if you've heard sermons before, you'll know that preachers use illustrations, like the ear illustration that I was just using in the introduction. Illustrations illuminate the point. They're supposed to make things clearer, or at least they should do. Parables, though, are not illustrations. They're not illustrations. Their goal, actually, isn't to make things clearer, but to separate out one group from another. To help one group, and to do the opposite to the other. They're there to increase the distance of understanding between two different groups. To the disciples, Jesus gives in verse 10 the secrets of the kingdom. But to everyone else, he speaks in parables so that they don't understand. So to those on the inside, it brings them further in. And to those on the outside, it sends them further away. And the difference is not in the ears of their head or what's being said, but it's in the ears of their hearts. The question is, are they really listening to Jesus? Are they really hearing what Jesus says? And Jesus hammers this home at the end of our passage. Have a look at verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For to the one that has, more will be given. And to the one that has not, even what he has will be taken away. He's saying here, pay attention to what you hear. Those who have, get more. Those who don't have, even what they have, is taken away. Do you notice it's the same idea as what he's talking about in the other verses? So a parable, if you like, acts like a fork in the road. You go one way or the other. One way you go further away, one way you get closer. And Jesus does not expect everyone to come closer with his preaching as he preaches the word. He quotes Isaiah in verse 12. Now, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he was given a very, very hard ministry. He was sent to a generation that God told him in advance would not listen. They were destined for judgment. But God told him to keep preaching. And they keep preaching until, in Isaiah 6, it says, until the cities lie ruined without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. So Isaiah's ministry was to preach to people when nobody was really listening, when no one was really hearing, so that they hear the words, but it doesn't bring them closer it only sends them further away. And Jesus here says that he is preaching in part the parables for the same reason. And to explain a bit more, Jesus tells them a parable. It's all a bit sort of, I think we call it meta these days. You sort of, sort of stand back a little bit. He's telling them a parable about parables, really. It's a parable about preaching, and it's a worked example of what he's talking about. And it's a parable, really, about hearing. And really hearing. So we've just got three points from this parable. The first is preaching. Have a look at verses 1 to 3 again. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat in uh, sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. He starts off with the word listen, to start them off. But then he tells them about a a sower sowing something. He tells us in verse 14 that a sower is someone preaching the word. And the context of the parable of the sower is preaching, is spreading the word. It's not about reaching your best potential or being given amazing opportunities I've been in quite a few school assemblies over the years, and I've heard this taught, and that's what the the meaning has been given at. But it's not those things. It's actually about hearing. It's actually about preaching, and whether you're really listening. That's why Jesus starts with listen. He doesn't actually start any of his other parables this way. He doesn't start any of his other teaching this way. This is the only time that he does it. Listen, he says. This is something about listening. It's about listening to preaching. And that's whenever somebody sows the seed. Be it from the front of church like this. Or one to one. Or maybe on a course or in a, a study. Anywhere where the word is spread. So what happens? The sower sows his seed everywhere. Everywhere. On the field, on the path, on the weeds, on the stones. He's not sort of targeting sewing, you know, getting it exactly right. I'd be a bit OCD with that. I'd get all the edges and sort of have it exactly lined up. But he just gets it everywhere. The seed goes all over the place. So in terms of preaching, it's to anyone and everyone. If they're breathing, they're worth preaching to, is what he's saying. But I don't want to spend this morning focusing on evangelism and preaching... There have been many great and wonderful sermons preached on this parable as though we were the preachers. But the focus for Jesus is actually not as us as preachers, but as us as listeners, the hearers of the word. The point here is that we're all sorts of different people hearing the word. And this crowd of diverse people hear Jesus preach. Jesus here is the sower. The king is the sower. That's the title of our passage this morning. But just hearing Jesus with our outside ears, as we'll see, is not enough. Just hearing good preaching is not what we need. All these same ground, soils, environments, they all hear the same word. It's like they're all sat in a room together listening to the same sermon. But in the end, the results are incredibly di- different. So much so, it make you wonder if it's even been the same seed. So our second point: What happens to some of the seeds for perishing? Many of the seeds perish; they die. Now, I want to, before we look at this section together in detail, I'm aware this is a tough section as we go through it. This section speaks about those who ignore the word of Jesus, who ignore the message. There are some who start out on the Christian path but no longer walk it. There are some who just it goes in one ear. And out the other. And I understand that while Jesus uses generalities in our minds, we'll probably have real people in our heads. Family members, friends, colleagues, or or spouse even. This is difficult, isn't it? But Jesus tells us to expect it. We're to expect that this is the norm that when the gospel is preached, some reject it outright. Some keep going for a while, and some persevere to the end. Equally, though, I want to say before we start this, you cannot tell what kind of soil someone is for sure until the end. I've got a a garden, or sort of backyard bit at my house. Some plants in my garden that I thought were dead for sure, after I've been looking after them, have made miraculous recoveries, and now actually they're thriving, they're doing really, really well. Some seem alive, but at the moment it's unclear which way they'll go. They're sort of the Schrodinger's cats of plants. I'm not really sure whether they're alive or dead. You don't know what Schrodinger's cat is. Look at up afterwards. What we need to do here, though, is look at ourselves. <coughs> Where are we headed? Which soil are we like now? Where do our dangers lie ahead? So on to the seeds on the ground. Let's have a look at verses 3 and 4. Listen, behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. The first seed dies. It's eaten by birds, which Jesus tells us later in verses 14 and 15 means that Satan immediately comes along and snatches the word away. Many people who hear the gospel, it's in one ear and out the other. It doesn't connect with them in any way. Not because there's something wrong with the message, you know, that it's confusing or intolerant or irrelevant. Not because there's something wrong with the one giving the message, you know, they're boring, monotone, smells like cabbage a bit, goes on a bit. But because there are other forces at work. The devil is there snatching the word away. But there's also their own heart. Think about it this way. It's not just the bird that's the problem, is it? The birds could be there with any of them. The reason that the devil can snatch the word away is that their heart is like a stony path. The word just bounces off it. There are no ears to hear it with their heart. And Jesus experienced this. As he preached, some people did not receive his message. Was it because his message didn't wasn't sort of relevant enough that it needed updating? Was it because he was no good at preaching? No, it was because the hearts of the hearers were stony ground and the devil was at work to snatch the word. So the first seed dies. What about the second seed? Have a look at verses 5 and 6. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. The second seed... It lands on rocky ground and the sun scorches it. I think we've had a bit of experience of what that can be like if you've been out in the sun in the last few days. We're definitely going to experience it uh, Monday and Tuesday. But Jesus tells us in verses 16 and 17 that these are those who receive the word with joy. But then when things get tough, they decide to give up. Have you ever known someone who gave up on being a Christian because it seemed too hard? Or because of what other people think of them? I have. I just couldn't defend what the Bible says about X, Y, Z. Being a Christian was so restrictive. Now I can do what I want. My life is so less stressful with all that religious stuff now. I just wanted to have a normal boyfriend or girlfriend. There have been quite a few high-profile deconversions, as they're called now, in America along these lines. And some celebrities have been applauded for it. And are generally more popular now than they were before and are seen as enlightened voices. When that happens, that should give you a clue that this is seed number two. I'm sure it is easier not to be a Christian in the public eye. I mean, look at what's happened over recent years to Christians in politics who've tried to stand up for Christian principles. They've been handed or ridiculed. And this happens on a miniature scale in our offices, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, all across the country. And there are those who decide that it's not worth it. The word is there for a while, and it produced no roots. So in the end, the plant didn't make it. What about the third seed? Have a look at verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. The third seed dies, or at least it bears no fruit. But for almost opposite reasons to the second seed. The ground there... Was too tough before, wasn't it? Well, here the ground is too easy, so easy in fact that all sorts of plants and weeds start to appear in the soil and choke the plant. Jesus tells us in verses 19 and 18 or 18 and 19 that they're those who get so busy that the word is crowded out, like strangling weeds. Other things encroach on their lives and choke the plant until there's no life in it, no possibility of bearing fruit. And again, we know people for whom this is true, don't we? It's not so much that they've outright rejected the word, but other things start to become more important. In practice, if not in principle. And it's harder today, because there is so much more to crowd Christ out. It's not all about church, but let me use church as an example. There's more goes on now, on a Sunday. I'm not that old, honestly, it's what my kids tell me. But when I was growing up, the only thing competing with church on Sunday was television, basically. And we only had four channels. I'll tell you roughly how old I am. But this morning not you know, you could have been to a steampunk festival. You could have gone and played football. You could have gone and done Pilates. You could be at home watching the World Athletics Championships. And there's more pressure on time in evenings... And that actually means Sunday becomes one of the few days that you can spend with your family if you have a family. All these pressures can crowd things like church out, can't they? Like I say, church is not everything, but it can be a good sign of how things are in our life. Could it be that those very good things in your life are actually becoming weeds that in the end could choke you? Now, none of this is easy. This may reflect life as it is, But life as it is, it's hard, isn't it? We'd love, wouldn't we, for people who don't believe to believe? We'd love people to just keep on going as believers. And this sort of thing makes us wonder what's going on. I mean, how does it fit with passages that speak of Jesus holding us safe, of never letting us go? What about passages that seem to say that we're once saved, always saved? Well, both of these different aspects are taught in Scripture. On the one hand, we're told that we're absolutely safe. On the other hand, we're warned not to fall away. And we avoid either of those sides at our peril. Whatever the mechanics of what's going on behind the scenes, rocky ground and thorny ground do exist. And you'd be a fool not to heed the warnings that it could be me. That we need to persevere, that we need to keep going. I need to keep listening to Jesus. On the other hand, you'd be equally foolish to ignore all the Bible says about persevering. So Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So our persevering is not so much to do with our grip on Jesus, but trusting in his grip on us. It's not so much about our strength to persevere, but trusting in his strength to keep us going. 19th century Baptist preacher C.H. Spurgeon argued that if it turned out it was all down to us to keep going, that actually he would have fallen away long ago, and he said, I imagine that you're the same. The key thing is, though, however we take this, if we want to persevere, we must keep listening to Jesus, and that's what we see in our last point, persevering. Have a look at verse 8. Another seed fell into good soil. And produce grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 and 60 fold and 100 fold. The first three seeds fall by the wayside, but not the fourth seed. With the last seed, the opposite happens. Instead of perishing, it flourishes, it grows up, increases, it yields more seed. And the question he asks it straight afterwards, verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. The question is whether we have ears to hear. If we have heard with our ears, the ears of our hearts, then actually Jesus paints a wonderful picture of what happens. Fruit, a harvest, an abundant harvest. What is that harvest, that fruit? Well, we can take it to mean more disciples, but that's actually unlikely in the context of Mark. Fruit in Mark is life life lived in honour to God. Lives that produce good works. We're not saved by good works, but like salvation, they flow from a right understanding of the gospel. Hearing with the ears of our heart will lead to good deeds done by the hands of the body. Deeds that honour God. And not just a little, a huge amount. Any farmer would be happy with these seeds, wouldn't they? With that kind of yield may have looked like the sower was being foolish when he was sort of sowing it anywhere and everywhere, but here he's been shown to be abundantly wise. But it begs the question, why this outcome for this seed? Why is this seed so different? Why does it grow whilst the others die? Why is it fruitful while the others were fruitless? Was it that it had less sun than the scorched seed? Well, no, bizarrely, Actually, even though the sun scorched the seed on the rocky ground, we know sun actually helps plants grow. Persecution didn't kill it, it actually reassured this seed. Was it that the ground was less fertile than the thorny ground? Well, no. We know that because the yield is incredibly fruitful, isn't it? But whereas the weeds choked the plant of the thorny ground, here seemingly the plant has seen off any weeds that appeared in its ground. Was it that the devil did not attack? No, but the devil was unable to take this seed. Was it that there was a better sower for one and not the other? Well, so no, it all the sower was the same. Was it that the seed itself was any different? No, the seed was the same, the message was the same. So what made the difference? The difference was not in the message, but in the ears that were hearing it. Not the ears of the head, the ears of the heart. The ears that really listened, really listened to Jesus. The word there in verse 20, it says, that uh, those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. That word accept is much stronger than the one we had in verse 16 for receive. The word accept there means to welcome, adopt, embrace. The word receive just means get, like we, when we say in English, be handy, Be given. They embrace this. They welcome the seed. The good soil are the ones who take it to heart, who really listen. That's why Jesus keeps saying, if you have ears to hear, hear. And those are the ones who really persevere, those who listen. So the question for us this morning is, are you listening? Are the ears of your heart open to the gospel? The good news of Jesus that we've seen in Mark's Gospel, that although he was the king of heaven, he came down not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That he came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus has the power to forgive our sins, and so we can enjoy eternity with God. We can be adopted into his family and become children of God. And all we need to do in the words of Jesus is repent and believe the good news and we'll be welcomed in by God. What have we done with that message? And it's been made clear, hasn't it? We know, if it wasn't clear before, well, I've just explained it. But look at verses 21 and 22. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in and to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not understand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. All this has been made clear. And if you've really understood this, one of the ways that it will show is that you'll bear fruit. So are you bearing fruit? Fruit that flows from the gospel? If not, the answer is not try harder. That's what you sometimes hear, isn't it? The answer is listen harder. It's not about willpower, it's about ear power. That's the ears of the heart. Listen to what Jesus says. Read what he says, look at his word. Hear him speak as his word is preached at church. Hear him speak as you open up the Bible with others. In the fight against sin, as with the fight against crime, the ear is the battleground. If you want to remember it, those who persevere... Well, it ends with ear, doesn't it? It's bad, but you'll remember it, hey? The clue's in the name, isn't it? The ones who persevere use their ears to listen to Jesus. So let's listen with the ears of our heart. Let's take the gospel to heart. And may your earprints, may our earprints, be ones that are easily identifiable as those who listen to Jesus and take it to heart. Let's pray. Father God, the seed has been sown this morning. Father, we pray that you would help us to hear, not just with the ears of our head, but with the ears of our heart. Father, we pray that you give us soft hearts to hear and to accept that word. And Father, may we be those who put all our trust in Jesus and bear fruit and persevere to that last day. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.